uh, welcome to General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of our living prophets, apostles, and chosen leaders. I've loved listening to podcasts about Come Follow Me, and I saw a need for a podcast centered around the General Conference talks. Um, I'm not a scholar, I'm not an expert, I'm a 20-something who just simply adores the gospel. The things I discuss are my opinions. Um, As one of my favorite podcasts, At Last She Said It, often says, your mileage may vary. In addition to my connections and thoughts, I will include a list of questions at the end of every episode as a place to start with your own deeper study of each talk. And I hope this podcast will be a jumping off point as you apply these principles to your life. In that spirit, I invite you to read and study today's talk before listening to this episode. Listen for what the Lord is saying to you personally. Then come join me for a beautiful discussion together. Hello, hello. <clears throat> Good morning. Um, well, it's morning here <laughs> when I'm recording this. But it's probably not warning when you're listening to it. But anyway back late again this week but that's okay um we'll jump right in i guess we're actually this is the last talk in the women's session um and i (laughs) i was looking at like you know scheduling things out and looking at how many talks i had left and figuring all that out and i was like wow um we're really close (laughs) to next general conference already like that's really crazy um because so this is the last talk in women's session and then we have sunday morning session sunday afternoon session which are one two three four five six seven two three four five six seven eight so 15 more talks which means we have about 15, not 15 weeks. We have about eight weeks left. Um, but so about two months. Uh, yeah, that would make sense because uh, it's the first week of October and it's already August. So that was, I was like, wow, that's really soon. So um, I'm excited for conference. Anyway, so yeah, so today's talk is by Elder Renland, and it's titled, Your Divine Nature and Eternal Destiny. Um, and as always, I encourage you to read or listen to the talk today before you listen to the episode, um, but I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. So, as I said, this was the last talk of the woman's session, so he's talking to the women of the church specifically. Um, and he starts by talking about, he's like, I'm excited to be here. I've also, you know, had the privilege to attend young woman classes. He's like, let me point out the obvious. I'm not young and I'm not a woman. Um, he's like, but usually I feel less left out or less out of place if I memorize the young woman theme. And so... He talks about the doctrine that's taught in the element theme. That's what he kind of expounds on for the rest of his talk. So he talks about... He goes kind of phrase by phrase. Um, and the first phrase is, I'm a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. 
He's like, this statement contains four important truths. First, you're a beloved daughter. Nothing you do or do not do can change that. God loves you because you are his spirit daughter. Sometimes you may not feel his love, but it is always there. God's love is perfect. Our ability to sense that love is not. And I really like this because it was kind of like a haha moment, which is very prideful of me. But uh, if you remember in the Saturday afternoon session, I believe it was Elder Hamilton talked about God's love having conditions. It's infinite, but comes with certain conditions. And if you've watched or if you listened to that episode, you know that I kind of like went off about that. I was like, um, no, God's love is not conditional. And, um, and so I remember like being really upset about that and watching the women's session and hearing Elder Renlund say this, like, God's love is perfect. Nothing you do or do not do can change that you are beloved God, like daughter of God, and he loves you because you're his, and, like, nothing can change that, and I was like, exactly. (laughs) I was like, see? (laughs) Um, like, yes, that God's love is unconditional. God loves you because you are his child. You can't change that. But and then I love at the end. Um, he says our ability to God's love is perfect. Our ability to sense that love is not. So he goes on talking about like, um, so the Spirit plays a pivotal role in communicating God's love to us. Yet the influence of the Holy Ghost can be obscured by strong emotions such as anger, hate, or fear, like trying to savor the delicate flavor of a grape while eating a jalapeno pepper. One flavor completely overpowers the other. So too, behaviors that distance us from the Holy Ghost, including sin, make it difficult for us to perceive God's love for us. And one I thought was interesting and kind of weird that he jumped from like strong emotions like anger, hate, or fear. Um, and then he jumps from that to like sin. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, both, yes. But they're not like you're not sinning if you're angry you're not sinning if you if you are fearful um because you can be angry (laughs) you can have fear like that's a normal human thing to do um but along this line i wanted to ask because my first question for y'all is how do you step back from strong emotions and feel the love of God? Because I I also totally get this. And he goes on also to talk about, like, physical or mental illnesses. And, like, challenging circumstances that are not, you know, part of our agency or a result of our agency, but the result of other people's agency. And, um, and he talks about, like, going to therapy can be beneficial or like talking to your trusted leaders and I really appreciated him talking about this because both mental illness and like strong emotions right um because I do this and I literally just like 
had this experience a couple of days ago and I'm not very good at it like I'm not very good at this but I've had a kind of crazy couple like week and a half we went camping family reunion and then my mother-in-law and a couple of my sisters-in-law came and stayed with us for a week um and like it was all fun and good um stressful because like they're in our home and like right a different routine and we were busy all the time so like camping obviously you're doing all the things you're camping so you're constantly trying to figure out how to cook (laughs) and like make food and it was hot and sticky and um we were floating the river um next to the campground and so um like three or four times a day we floated like 45 minutes and I got sunburned like it was just there's constantly things going on going on going on and the same thing when they came back home with us they they basically just like followed us home um we it was in our town they have like a little festival thing for a week called heritage days and so they have a bunch of stuff that goes on they have pancake breakfasts and they have a rodeo and they have um what even else was there i don't even remember (laughs) there's a car show and a car parade and a parade and like all this stuff and so like every day we were doing something there's also a temple in our town so like they went to the temple a couple times and just like it was just like every day we did something and like i didn't really have any downtime i didn't have any time to like be just by myself be with just my husband and so and it kind of got to the point where I was just burnt out. Like the last couple of days they were here, I was like, okay, I love you, but like, <laughs> I'm burnt. And um, it was one of the last days they were here, I think, or maybe the day after they left or something. I, the spirit was like, um, so have you thought about the fact that like you haven't prayed recently? And it wasn't like a chastisement of like, it wasn't like, um, you need to pray more or you're going to go to hell. No, it was like, maybe praying would help. Maybe putting this on Christ would help. Maybe, you know, telling God about your woes would help. And, and it has. And I'm still bad at it. I, yesterday I was feeling ridiculous. I was like sick, like physically sick. Um... And so, like, that was not the top of my mind. <laughs> but, um, but that, like, gentle, like, um, you're kind of in the throes of, like, anxiety and stress. And, like, you haven't really taken time for yourself to, or, like, you haven't taken time for your relationship with the Savior recently. And I was like, oh, I haven't. And, and I get... <laughs> because I've done this and I I have anxiety I struggle with anxiety like diagnosed anxiety and so I get really wrapped up in my own thoughts and my own like expectations for the future and like my own plans and like all this stuff and I forget to like step back from the craziness of the world and the craziness of my life and um And just be. <laughs> like, just sit in God's love for me. And so, 
for me it happens a lot of different ways usually it's a little bit of a nudge from the spirit of like you need to chill (laughs) you need to like sit and do nothing for a bit and like read your scriptures or listen to a podcast or go on a walk or go to the temple um and so that's my question for you is how do you do that how do you pull yourself back from strong emotions or from anxiety or from like the just the day-to-day slog of life and like and, and feel god's love for you like how do you do that i want you to reflect on that um because it's really i think it's really important um and then i'm sure this is kind of what everybody remembers from this talk it was highly anticipated part of this talk um if you aren't like in the realm of like lds um counts on instagram you might not have heard of it but it had kind of been it had gotten leaked somehow that there they were planning a talk about heavenly mother and this is the talk um because the second truth in that statement is that we have heavenly parents and so he says very little has been revealed about mother in heaven but what we do know is summarized in a gospel topic found in our gospel library application so a little backstory to this and why it was like such a big deal for people on instagram a lot of the a lot of the accounts that were talking about this are more kind of nuanced progressive like in a good way kind of counts like they talk about like church policy and you know how it how feminism fits into it and how racism fits into it and like all the stuff right and a lot of them talk about heavenly mother a lot of them are women-run accounts to talk about heavenly mother and the fact that we don't talk about heavenly mother um and they're kind of thoughts about Heavenly Mother or their personal experiences um, studying about Heavenly Mother or talking about Heavenly Mother about the Divine Feminine and um, often they'll talk about praying to Heavenly Mother or like there's a lot of like oh I wonder if she's like this I wonder if she's like this and so this is kind of in response to that I think um actually I know because a couple weeks before general conference Elder Renling gave a talk at a I want to say it was a youth fireside in Utah I, I saw the clip um where he was like recently on social media there's been a lot of speculation about how my mother and he gave almost this exact talk these few paragraphs so he kind of talks about like, once you've read the gospel topic essay about Heavenly Mother, you'll know everything I know about Heavenly Mother, and, like, I wish I knew more, and, um, you also might have questions, and seeking greater understanding is important, but please be cautious, because a reason cannot replace revelation. And then he goes on to say, speculation will not lead to greater spiritual knowledge, but it can lead us to deception or divert 
our focus from what has already been revealed. And so he goes, his example is, like, the Savior taught his disciples, disciples, always pray unto the Father in my name. So, like, we do that. We don't pray to Heavenly Mother. Um, and while I understand what he's trying to say, obviously, right? Like, speculation going too far is going to probably lead you to be like, oh, well... I get it, right? Like, I understand what he's trying to say. But also, (laughs) like, it's okay to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. Our religion started with Joseph Smith asking a question and asking more questions, question upon question of, oh, well, what's the priesthood? And, well, what's baptism? And, you know, what's a temple? what the temple's supposed to look like, what do we do in the temple. And, like, I think it's totally fair for us to ask questions about Heavenly Mother. And I also love, like, the Gospel Topics essay actually has quite a bit about Heavenly Mother. And so I encourage you to read that if you're curious about Heavenly Mother. There's one about heavenly parents and there's one about mother in heaven um because there's like the gospel topics and there's gospel topics essays which are a little bit different but anyway it's not a whole lot like they said not a whole lot has been revealed but like just going off of that and there are definitely ways to find heavenly mother in the scriptures and like to study about her or even just the divine feminine like other religions is really interesting so um and then he talks about um divine nature says this is intrinsic to who we are it is spiritually genetic inherited from our heavenly parents and requires no effort on our part is our most important identity regardless of how else we choose to identify ourselves Understanding this profound truth is important for everyone, but especially for individuals belonging to groups who have been historically marginalized, oppressed, or subjugated. Remember that your most important identity relates to your divine nature as a child of God. And I appreciate this, obviously. I love that, like, above all else, I am a daughter of God. And that I have a divine nature. And I have, like, divinity within me and that's very empowering I also understand why someone would be upset about this if because this also can come across as erasure of other identities like being LGBTQ or African American or Latina or whatever it may be right um while this is the most important other things are also important so my question is how does your identity of the child as a child of god work with and validate other ways you choose to identify yourself like personally i am a daughter of god i'm also a daughter i'm also a sister i'm a wife um i'm a woman i'm an american currently living in canada so like weird stuff. I'm currently a permanent resident of Canada, so, like, there's that. 
Um, one day I hope to be a mother. I'm also a daughter-in-law. I'm a sister-in-law. Like, all of those are very, like, being a daughter of God helps me to be a better sister. Helps me to be a better wife. I hope. <laughs> like, right? Like, it helps me to strive to be a better wife, at the very least. Um, and to be a better friend. And to be a better feminist. And to be a better ally to my LGBTQ friends and family. And a better teacher to my primary kids. And a better member of my ward. And... I think that's where the empowerment comes, is I'm all of these things, and I'm a daughter of God. Like, I I choose to identify myself with all of these things, and then I'm a daughter of God, first and foremost. Because being a daughter of God helps me be better at all these things. So that's my question, is how does your identity as a child of God work with and validate other ways you choose to identify yourself. Um, he also talks about, the next thing he talks about is eternal destiny. He talks about the covenant path. Um, and he says, this covenant path is the way we come into Christ. And I, that one phrase just makes me so happy because I think often we forget the end goal and we get distracted by the path there. Like, our covenants are not our goal. Our covenants are stepping stones to the goal of becoming like Christ. And I think sometimes we lose that. Like, oh, well, now I'm baptized, so it's all good. Or now I'm endowed, so it's all good. Or now I'm married, so it's all good. Like, I'm done. And that's not true. (laughs) Like, being married helps me come into Christ, how? Right, like, how does that help me come into Christ? Being endowed, and the promises and blessings and the things that I promise to do, how does that help me come into Christ and become more like Christ and love my fellow man and, you know, mourn with those that mourn, all those things. Um, That angle is really important to keep in mind. Um... Okay, this one, I know I only highlighted a little bit, and I want to talk about more of it, so let me think of, let me find what I, so he talks about, like, we cannot create our own path and expect God's promised outcome, so he talks about, like, you know, the covenant path, which I can only assume he means, like, baptism, initiatory endowment, sealing, endure to the end right (laughs) like the covenant path of faith repentance baptism holy ghost on and on um and while i understand like what he's trying to say because he has the experience he has a his example as he was a heart doctor and he talks about like the best outcomes are obtained by following established evidence-based treatments plans. Like there's kind of one way that you treat heart failure. And my 
patients often were like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take so many medications. I didn't want to come back for more follow-up tests. And so, like, he had, he's like, they had the option, they had the, the agency to choose not to do these things. But when they did, usually their results suffered. So, like, he's like, patients with heart failure cannot choose an inferior course and then blame their cardiologist for inferior outcomes. Which is fair, <laughs> right? Like, there are definitely things that, like, um, no, if you touch a hot stove, you're gonna get burned. And, but I also, he goes on to talk about this with Heavenly Father's prescribed path. We are free to choose, but we cannot choose the consequences of not following the revealed path. And I think this bugs me a little bit because there's always it's not always black and white right obviously we're asked to go to the temple we have the agency not to go to the temple if we don't want to there are also there are also people who can't go to the temple who can't pay tithing or feel like they can't pay tithing because they're barely making enough to survive enough money to survive and so because they can't pay tithing they can't go to the temple or they're part of the lgbtq community and they are you know in a relationship with someone of the same sex or they're transgender or whatever it may be right and they're not allowed to go to the temple or like not everybody goes to the temple at the same time, like very simply, you know, I went because I went on my mission, my best friend went when she was like, no, I'm ready to go, she has not been on a mission, she hasn't gone to the temple, or hasn't, sorry, (laughs) wow, my English isn't working today, she has not been married, but she was like, I feel like I'm ready to go to the temple, and it was right for her, and she loves the temple, she absolutely adores the temple, and so, and some people might not go to the temple until they're like 35. Some people might not be baptized until they're 79. Like, the revealed path is still going to look different from everyone because we're all different people. If we were all the same person, then yes, the revealed path would look the exact same for everybody. But, and of course, there are principles like reading your scriptures and praying and like serving others right that are kind of all but still that looks different for everyone my service i talked about this a couple episodes ago my service is going to look different than my husband's service my scripture study is going to look different than my husband's scripture study my prayers are going to look different than my husband's prayers and that's okay (laughs) and so my question here is it's kind of like a open-ended question it's like what is your revealed path because and you might not know but like I want you to think about that it's like what is your revealed path what is Heavenly Father prompting you to do what's the next best thing for you Um, maybe that's studying more before you go to the temple maybe that's going to the temple tomorrow and you're like wow I really need to go to the temple (sighs) and maybe and and it's going to look different for everybody Anyway, so, so he talks about, um, 
repentance. Right? I cherish the gift of repentance and seek to improve each day. And he quotes President Nelson. He says, President Nelson taught, Too many people consider repentance as punishment, but this feeling of being penalized is engendered by Satan. He tries to block us from looking to Jesus Christ, who stands with open arms, hoping and willing to heal, forgive, cleanse, strengthen, purify, and sanctify us. I absolutely adore this quote, (laughs) because when I was growing up, when I was in primary, forgiveness, or sorry, repentance felt like a punishment. The way that it was taught to me felt like this big, long laundry list of, you know, first you admit that you made a mistake, and then you pray to Heavenly Father, and then you go to the person that you hurt, and then you say you're sorry, and then you, you know, then you vow never to do it again, right? And then you really better not do it again, because, you know, then you haven't actually repented, which we'll talk about in a second. (laughs) And it was, or like, it was always like, and then you have to go to your bishop, and then you have to this, and then you have that, and it was just like this big, long thing of like, well, then I better just never make any mistakes, because repenting sounds really hard and terrible and scary. And um, it wasn't until my mission, and I went to the MTC, and they were like, no, repentance is kind of for everything, and it's actually a really cool, good thing, and repentance just means becoming more like Christ. And sometimes that will mean that you have to go to your bishop and talk about something big and crazy and, like, whatever. But sometimes that just means praying to God and be like, I screwed up, and I'm going to be better next time. And that, like, it's a very freeing thing, and it's a very, like, nice thing, and it's a way to, to have a better relationship with Christ. And I think... when he talks about this feeling of being penalized and engendered by Satan, I think also sometimes that's the way that it's taught. That, like, repentance is a backup plan in case you make a mistake, and then I guess you can repent. But, like, repentance is the plan. That, like, you will make mistakes, and it's okay because you're a person, and you're gonna make a mistake. And so Heavenly Father has this really cool plan called repentance, that you can have all your sins washed away. Isn't that awesome? Like, I don't feel like it was taught to me like that when I was in primary and, like, young women's. And so I wanted to ask, how were you taught about repentance? Like, think back to primary young women's or even as a young adult or as an adult. Like, how is it still taught to you? <laughs> like, how is it still talked about in your Sunday schools and, like, when you go to church? How is repentance talked about? Is it, is it talked about as a big scary thing that you're being penalized because you made a mistake you dared to make a mistake um and how does that differ from this definition that President Nelson gives that it's not a punishment it's like a really good thing um the other thing he talks about he says even after sincere repentance however we may stumble stumbling does not mean that the repentance was inadequate but may simply reflect human weakness how comforting to know that the Lord sees weakness differently than he sees rebe- rebellion. And 
that's what I want to talk about is like there it was kind of always just like oh well when you say sorry you're promising never to do it again and if you do it again then like you haven't really repented and my best friend and I talk about this all the time that like that doesn't necessarily mean that you that doesn't necessarily mean that repentance didn't happen it just means that you're a human being especially like with addictions like God doesn't expect you to quit cold turkey like it, it's like it's gonna it's gonna be hard right like maybe you relapse and have a cigarette maybe you relapse and have a drink like that doesn't mean that your repentance didn't count it means that you're human and like the phrase the lord sees weakness differently than he sees rebellion i love that like going out and being like oh well i'm gonna re- like sin and then I'll repent later like we talked about with I think it was Sister Bingham's talk last time like yes God does not look kindly on that he's like no that's that's not how the atonement works <laughs> like uh, that's wrong but um, but that's different than like you slip up and you make a mistake again and like that's okay um so his invitation is I invite you to center your life on Jesus Christ and remember the foundational truths in the young woman theme. Um so yeah. It's a great talk. Um some things that I I personally have, I struggle with, but, um, I also, I love the the new Young Women's theme, I was not, I was already out of Young Women's, I was on my mission when they changed it, um, but I memorized it on my mission, I don't have it memorized anymore, I probably could do, like, parts of it, but, um, it is packed with amazing doctrine and, like, great stuff so I'll recap my questions really quick um how do you step back from strong emotions and feel the love of God strong emotions or like mental health anxieties things like that um how does your identity as a child of God work with and validate other ways you choose to identify yourself what is your revealed path? Uh, how are you taught about repentance? And how does that differ from the um, the fact that it is, for President Nelson's definition, that it is not a punishment, that it is um, the plan, and that it's a good thing. So, uh, that's all I have for you. Um, so ponder those questions, and of course, as always, ponder any questions that, or any promptings that you're getting from Heavenly Father about your revealed path, (laughs) and, um, and that sort of thing. So, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of General Conference Conversations. 
be sure to follow and share us on um, any social media. And if you like the show, feel free to leave us a review or tell your friends. Until next time.